Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard. Welcome to the Five Star Zone. Rico Beard, Evan Jenkins on the other side of the mic. And Evan, we are two weeks away from D-Day. I know the teams can't look forward to it. The players can't look forward to it. But you know what? The fans, damn it, they can. It's possible you could have two 7-0 teams. Michigan State has the whole business. They got to take care of business on Saturday against Indiana. Michigan has the bye week. They take care of business against Northwestern, and we get the game that everybody's been whispering about. So it, it's on the horizon. So just so you know, we we all see it, people. And and I'll have a bigger breakdown if that happens later that week. But for right now, let's let's kind of recap what happened last weekend. Uh, you know, if you haven't, I gave the instant reactions of, of each game last weekend. So make sure you take a listen to that. But Evan, upon further review, I, I, which which game you want to start with first, Evan? I'll, I'll dealer's choice. Well, I think we should start with Michigan because I think it was the tougher task. Okay, for Michigan, they they went out there, they went on the road, and and I thought that Nebraska was going to be a tougher road game than Wisconsin, and I turned out to be correct. I also was correct when I said. If you're a Michigan fan, our Jeff Rieger was all worried. Adrian Martinez will eventually go Adrian Martinez, meaning he'll eventually turn the ball over, and he did twice. Now, the second one <clears throat> was aided. Most of the time when a quarterback is stopped, especially a quarterback when, the, when, when his momentum is stopped, they blow the whistle for fear of injuring the quarterback. They didn't. It's why you got to play to the end, to the whistle, to the end. He didn't. He got the ball ripped from him. 
Michigan gets it back. They kick the game-winning field goal, and that's it. Now, the bad, the bad I got to say was the officiating, man. I, I, I got to harp upon that. And it wasn't like, oh, it favored one team over the other. Man, this was a case where I don't ever want to see these guys referee a game again. They were just – I mean, Harbaugh had to burn the timeout to get something overturned on a fourth down play that clearly the guy got it. And they were like, no, nah, we don't think he got it. It's like, what, what, what are you watching? He clearly got that by a couple feet. Scott Frost had to go down and get them to overturn a touchdown where you saw McNamara's knee go down as he fell before he handed off the ball. It was bad. And then, Evan, every now and then there's a first. There's something that I've never seen before or heard of. I've I've never seen basically a jump ball being called on a fumble. Uh, Dual possession or, or whatever they wanted to call it. Like, guys, either Michigan has it or Nebraska has it. I've never seen the tie goes to the runner. Joint possession? Joint possession? Have you ever seen that? Uh, not watching anything that wasn't basketball. I had never seen right. that before. But I do – I have a question, and I haven't received an answer that's satisfactory for me yet. And this might come off as a hater. But, Rico, I don't know if you remember at the end of the game uh, – they had the ball, Nebraska did, even after Michigan's field goal, in order to try to tie it, right? And on right. fourth down, there was an incomplete pass, and Daxton Hill was flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct, for taunting, right? Yeah. But it was I, – I, I still don't understand how that isn't tacked on to the end of the play. The example okay. that I wanted to use was last year during Michigan-Michigan State, Shakur Brown got a taunting penalty, gave them an automatic first down. So what is the difference there? I Here's was told the because it was fourth down and that was the end of the drive. And that's what it is. If that play happened on third down, that's automatic first down for Nebraska, 15-yard penalty, and they're in field goal range to tie this game up. But because it happened on fourth down, the change of possession already happened because it happened after the play, meaning you didn't get the fourth down. It's now my ball. But now I got to go backwards. If that play happens on first, second, or third down, you're right, Evan. It's a 15-yard penalty tacked on, automatic first down for Nebraska. So I, if I, it happens, go ahead. I guess my only question is, why is that different between third down and fourth down? Because taunting always happens after the play. Do you see what I'm uh, saying? If roughing yes, the because, kicker happens on fourth down, they mm-hmm. extend that drive. No, no, no. But roughing the kicker happens within the play. Okay. The taunting happened after the whistle was blown, so the play was over. Well, I'm good that we had this discussion because that was something that, I mean, they didn't talk about it at all because the announcers seemed to think the same thing that I was thinking along the lines I think that, every Michigan fan thought that. When they saw the penalty flag and when they saw a personal foul, the heart sunk in Ann Arbor. Right. Because they're like, dear God, Daxon, what did you just do? Mm-hmm. Okay, so but, that's what I was curious about. But, no, the yeah. officiating was, I mean, what was it? One drive, they had three challenges to look it over. And I understand you always want to make sure you get the call right, but they were wrong on every single one. I, I've, and, and this comes from a guy, I had no dog in this fight. Same here. And this was just bad across the board. They didn't favor Nebraska. They didn't favor Michigan. They just sucked. They were horrible. I hope to never see that crew again. You got to break them up. 
If you're Ward Manuel, I mean, not Ward Manuel, if you're uh, Kevin Warren, that can't happen again. Yeah, not no. at all. That was It was Guys. embarrassing is what it was. And, I mean, you look at reaction, they were getting made fun of and talked about how poor the Big Ten officiating is. Right, a joint possession on a fumble. Well, okay. I don't understand how you can dictate that either because we don't know what happened in between that scrum. And because right. one guy, whether it's Nebraska or Michigan, that decide to tie it up at the very end, I, I just think it's weird that that was the Have call. the balls and simply say, one or the other. Michigan ball, Nebraska ball, let's go. But to get up there and say, well, it's a joint possession, you know what you told the world? We don't know. Absolutely. And we don't know. Now, do you remember what they called on the field? Joint possession. No, like right away before they, or is that just what they came up with? They never went and looked no, no, at no. it. That, that, they came up with that. They, <laughs> they went into the scrum, and then the announcer, tur- I mean, the ref turned on his mic and said, Well, there's a joint possession, so therefore the tie goes to the receiving team. What? Yeah, and like, I mean, at least I, I do have to give them credit because, you know, they did call it disconcerting signals. And, I mean, I agree. You can't do that on defense. You can't mock the snap count, and that's what was right. happening. We actually saw that in the Michigan-Michigan State game last year, too. Right. It, it was called against Michigan for simulating the snap count. So, I guess the explanation right. you that clap I clap your hands. Yes, you yeah. cannot clap on defense. Because that, that, that's how the quarterback signals to the center and then the offense we're going to run. Because the crowd noise, you either lift your leg or you do a clap. Most teams do a clap. Defense is not allowed to clap their hands to simulate that to get the guys to jump off sides. So. so are you done right, with the clapping? The no, enough with the clapping. Oh, my God, Martinez. I don't remember him doing that against State. Oh, he did. That much? Yeah. But think <laughs> about it. They couldn't hear. Remember all the uh, false starts that they had? Oh, that's right. Yeah, they couldn't hear. It was so loud. All right, so enough about that. Michigan, what can I say? They, they were able to run the ball a lot better than I thought they were going to be able to run the ball against the Nebraska defense. The passing game, to me, is, is still suspect. The passing game would be very concerning if I was a Wolverine fan. You're winning. You're 6-0. and And I know you're listening to this saying, what are these parties talking about us for? Because we get paid to do this. And we got eyes. We could see. Eventually, you're going to have to be able to throw that ball. After Look, Northwestern doesn't count. That's a practice game. That's not even a homecoming game. That's the equivalent of the maize and blue game. For Michigan, you're in a bye week. Figure out what you're going to do for the last five games of the year. You're going to have to face three ranked teams, similar to Michigan State. You're going to have to do better on offense when it comes to passing the ball because teams are going to dare you to pass to beat them. Now, what I saw – Kay McNamara did it again. He had open receivers, and Evan, either he underthrew them, and instead of scoring a touchdown, it ends up being a field goal, or he just flat-out missed guys. Yeah. And when you get that chunk play, doesn't happen that often, but when you catch a team in the wrong defense, you got to take advantage of that. I don't see that. J.J. McCarthy, you know, I saw that said he's ready to come in whenever his numbers get called. If you're J.J., you got to use him better than just coming in to run the ball. Hell, everybody, Nebraska knew on that third and six with the game tied, which may have been the most important snap, it was J.J. in the game. It wasn't Cade. And 
That's some Michigan people telling me, well, what did you expect them to do? You, you line up to kick the field goal. No, that's what losers do. You know what winners do? I'm going to score a touchdown. I'm going to put this game out of reach. I'm not going to give you the opportunity to come down and tie it with a field goal. You're going to have to drive down and score a touchdown. Winners go for the jugular. Winners go for the throat. Playing for the field goal, it's like the prevent defense. And, hell, we've seen the Lions get burnt on that a couple times this year. When you just line up for the field, Evan, how many times have you seen teams go for the field goal and they miss it? Too many. And you're thinking to yourself, why didn't you just try to score? You you, know, just playing it cute. I mean, I mean, look at Michigan State. They did it against Nebraska as well in overtime. They went and decided yeah. to kick it on third down. Now, I get the situation's a little different because you can end I, no, no, it right I, in there. Just so you I was not happy about that. I, I Not being hypocritical. I wanted to, but that's a little different because if you the field goal ends worst it. case worst case scenario is you go to double overtime because they've already had their possession. But in this game, it's back and forth. You get down there, you get a gift, and then they just kind of powered it down. Now, granted, you, you got a great kicker in Moody. I, I mean, maybe if I felt that confident about uh, Coglin, I, I you know I, I I do what Harbaugh did, but I'm a guy. I got to take some shots. I got to pick up some first downs. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to bleed this clock. I'm not giving you the ball back with a minute and a half to go. Yeah, n- not at all. And and I actually have a question about the Michigan situation and with their quarterbacks. And I'm wondering because we talk about Cade underthrowing, overthrowing. So he's almost playing like he has to play a perfect game in order to remain out there. Do you feel that he's looking over his shoulder during the game? He is. Whether you say you are or you're not, you really are because it's clear that Harbaugh wants to use a two-quarterback system. Now, yeah, you can give me the Tim Tebow and Chris Leak. Most two-quarterback systems don't work. And that's like the only example out of 125 years of college right. football. It's like, oh, I'm gonna, if it was that smart, why wouldn't everybody do it? You pick a guy and you let that guy go. A quarterback has to get in rhythm. A quarterback has to he has to get a feel of the game. When you take him out, one, he wants to be back in there, and two, the new guy now has to reassess what's going on. Well, and it also makes me wonder about practice because you have to get both those guys first-team reps, right, to be comfortable with who they're playing with and what they're doing. And I'm just curious. Listen, I can't knock it because all they've done is one, and that's what you want out of this team is to win, right? If there's one thing Harbaugh needs to do, it's win. Now, not necessarily these games, though. What he needs to win are the big three at the end of his schedule, which it has always been for Jim Harbaugh. The opening of the schedule has never been tough for him. Go look. You know what I'm saying? All When you get the stats at his winning percentage, blah, 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 those wins come over lesser opponents. So at the end of the day, it's still going to be the same thing for Harbaugh. You know, it's it's nice to see that, but it starts in two weeks, right? Yeah, it does. And, and This is all a preseason it, for them. It is. Here's what I mean. when I look at what Lincoln Riley did for Oklahoma. He's got Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler was the leading candidate to win the Heisman Trophy. Yep. He had the big NIL deal. He had the trademark of his name. He just switched quarterbacks. He didn't say, I'm going to do two quarterbacks this game. He pulled the trigger and said, hey, Caleb Williams, you're my guy now. Spencer, take a seat. You've turned the ball over enough. I'm going to roll with Caleb. And guess what? 
I think that's his guy. I think Spencer Rattler's done. Lincoln Riley gets it. I'm not here to hold hands. I got to make a business decision sometime. I think that this is going to come back to bite Michigan. I mean, case in point, I look back to that night, was it 1999 Michigan, Michigan State game when you had Drew Henson and Tom Brady? And you, plato- you plato- platoon those two guys. I'll say that if Brady plays the entire game, Michigan probably wins that game. Yeah. But he didn't. Drew Henson did. Because you got to make these kids Brady happy, in. right? Right. And Henson was the golden boy. He was the young guy. He was the guy everybody wanted to see. How ironic that you had Tom Brady, future Hall of Famer. <laughs> he was in the way. What, what are we doing with this senior? His career is over. He's done. He'll be working at Starbucks later. No, he ends up becoming a Hall of Famer. But you wanted to go with the younger guy. So that, that's my thing. I, I, if it were me, I'd pick one and I'd go with it. The only problem is you run out of – you got Northwestern. If, if it's really going to be J.J., let J.J. play the entire Northwestern game to get a feel for that thing. Absolutely. Because if, if you're going to make gonna mistakes, put, that's the team to make mistakes against. But if you're going to platoon, man, I, I think it's going to be disastrous. I know some Michigan fans are going to be like, oh, dare you speak upon this. Guys, history says this won't work. So. Well, Rico, I got I have to bring this up because you brought up Lincoln Riley and the situation that's going on there. So there's a developing situation that's going on with Oklahoma right now. A reporter for the student newspaper used binoculars from a public building to report that Caleb Williams was doing practice with the first team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got quotes from Spencer Rattler's dad and Rinkin Riley. No media this week, not until after the game on Saturday. He canceled it all because of that. Uh, yeah. I think we all know where this is going. Oklahoma looked like a, a new team. Oklahoma looked like Oklahoma in the second half. Oklahoma came from like a 28-point deficit against Texas, 24, 28 points. It was the biggest deficit ever in the Red River shootout. Well, and what's crazy I, about it too, Rico, is because they're in the same spot as Michigan, right, where they need to win, they need to win now. They're undefeated. But it's funny. You, you read stuff about Michigan, whether it's national or local, it's how they have an amazing team, breath of fresh air, new guys, blah, 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 right? All of the cliche stuff that you can say about a 6-0 team. You look at Oklahoma, and you feel like they've lost four games this year, and they haven't. But look at what they're doing to make sure that they don't lose going forward. And, and it's interesting with Michigan. It really is. I've even brought up the fact that, I, listen, I know Blake Corum is a very good running back out on the edge but they don't use him right. Just use Haskins if that's the case. If you want to run the ball between the tackles, that's the kid that should be doing it. You're right, but uh, hey, it's working. They're 6-0. and Sure. So I'm just saying. You know what? 6-0 is the ultimate deodorant. It covers up a lot of stench, a lot of things that are wrong because you look at that record and say, we haven't lost yet. Sure. I mean, and, and it's a good problem to have when you're 6-0, and right? You can pick and right. pick and pick, but if they keep winning, then it's all irrelevant. It is, so we'll see what happens. Michigan on the bye week. Michigan State headed into Indiana. Looks like Jack Tuttle will be the quarterback for Indiana. Um, I don't think you're going to see Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, they're kind of being mum on that, right, that they're not going to name a quarterback until we see what happens on Saturday. I know people are like, well, you know, the spread bothers me. The spread worries me. Why is it this low? Oh, is that your co-host? 
That's everybody. That's a lot of people. <laughs> Spread started off Michigan State minus three and a half. They're up to four and a half right now. I, I think for a lot of people, uh, it's still Michigan State's a prove it to me team. Yeah, they're good, but they don't have the brand. They don't have the name. They don't have the, oh, I'm going to tack this automatic high number up there. And plus, I'll be honest with you, I don't think a ton of people are making bets on Michigan State and Indiana. So, therefore, to balance the books out, you you, you put a low number. State fans will jump on top of it. Indiana fans are going to jump on top of it. It's their homecoming. It's on the road. I got to figure if this game was at home, they normally say being on the road is worth three points. So if this game's at home, the current line would be like Michigan State minus six and a half or Michigan State minus seven and a half. I think for MSU, I look at the Indiana defense and it's about the same as the Rutgers defense and Michigan State hit that Rutgers defense for a lot of big chunk plays. I mean, heck. What they had, uh, what four plays, four scoring plays of over sixty yards, more than they than they've had in the last couple of years under D'Antonio. They had it all in one game. You couldn't just if Rutgers came out there and they double T Jalen Reed, and that's like okay, well fine, we'll go to Jalen Naylor. Dude had two hundred twenty-one, five catches, two hundred twenty-one yards, three touchdowns. His the touchdown. I mean, the one where he literally stops. At, looks like he's going out of bounds and cuts it back and runs it up the middle. Man, that looked like something you see on a video game. Like, Is that seriously going to work? I'm, I'm thinking he's going to get tackled. Nope. Right up the middle, Evan. You're the big gamer. That's what that play seemed like to me. Uh, very much so. But I wonder, does it concern you at all with Michigan State's offense where there's going to be a game where they can't score on the big splash play? Are you worried at all that they can't drive down the field with a big drive if needed? I mean, it's a good problem to have. That's right now probably the one of the two things on the offense that people are worrying about that in the second half points. Yeah, I mean, it does. Put it this way, if you if Mark D'Antonio's team could always drive down, but they couldn't hit the big plays. Sure. Yeah, would you like to see them do an eight-play, 75-yard drive? Yeah, you would. Kill some clock, eat some clock, show your dominance. They've done it before. I mean, but all of a sudden, if if the big play is there, do you just turn it down? No, absolutely not. Doing it too well, much. And here, here's the thing. So if if safeties want to play double coverage on their two top receivers, right? Then it will open up Trey Mosley, who's played very, very well this year. And if those two receivers weren't on this team, you would hear a lot more about them. But what it's also going to open up is that run game, which they really, really excel in. And, I mean, this is the best Michigan State offense I can remember in a long time. Now, like, for MSU, yeah, they they, they got to get better on third down on their third down uh, plays because that's they'll get it to third and three, third and two, and then get stuffed at the line or miss a pass, and they got to punt. If you want those long, sustaining drives, you've got to be able to pick up the first down. Absolutely. That's been the biggest bugaboo for this team. And then coming out in the second half, you got to score more. I mean, you know, three points, uh, you know, they, three points in the overtime against Nebraska. You know, they were six points um, uh, last week against um, uh, 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 Western Kentucky. And then 10 points against – 
Rutgers. I mean, you got to have better scoring in the second half. That's the ability to put the game away. You want to see it how they came out in the second half of the Miami game when they caught fire and really took the game over. They've been jumping out to big leads, but then they kind of coast. And and I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's the you know Tucker and the guys not being able to adjust to the other team's adjustments. But it's been very pedestrian. That's more concerning to me than scoring on chunk plays. In the second half, it's almost like you you're taking a knee and running out the last two quarters. Winning teams don't do that. And when you go up against better teams, you're going to be in trouble. you got to still be able to match points for points. I don't know if the team is just relaxing. I don't know if, the, if, if, if I don't know what's going on, but it's concerning. But probably the biggest concern that I had, this may have been the worst coach game that I've seen from Michigan State and Mel Tucker and his staff in a long time. I have no idea what was going on with the clock issues, especially at the end of the game. I mean, the end of the half. It was weird. The whole kicking a field goal and then you got lucky with one second left and it it was weird. And the whole time you're sitting there with a timeout in your pocket, call the damn timeout. Guys, two plays, run this. If this doesn't work, it's an incomplete pass. We got enough time to get out there, kick the field goal. But it, it was like no one knew. It was like they were one was speaking Russian, the other was speaking Chinese. No one knew what the other was talking about. No one knew what the other was saying. Thorn, I mean, it, it just had the look of a pick six written all over it. They got lucky. As you said, they had the opportunity to even kick the field goal. You got to do better. You can't squander and leave points on the board. You can get away with that against Rutgers. You don't get away with that when you're playing the Michigans and the Penn States and the Ohio States. You have to be able to go out there and function as one, as a team, and be on the same page. I don't know what happened. I mean, even that, like that fake field goal. Oh, it was awful Throw idea. that thing out it, the If playbook. you're going to fake it there, just go for it on fourth and three. You have the number one rusher. You have the number one guy in in uh, all-purpose yards on your team. You got a quarterback who at the time had only thrown one pick. How about you? Yeah, just line up and use your real weapons. Or come up with a better trick play. So That? No. Beringer versus three Rutgers linebackers. That's smart. Good luck with that. Okay, so I have a question for you. This is why I absolutely love doing this podcast with you because there's – you know, we haven't been able to watch the game together for a couple weeks because they're on the road and I had to do wedding stuff one day. Um, but my question is, and I've been wondering this, and I don't know if college coaches do this at all, but it almost makes me wonder, is he putting, when I say he, Mel Tucker, putting his team in uncomfortable situations on purpose to make them learn from that to where it comes down to it in an actual game? Where I'm wondering, I'm not saying that you do it to make your kids fail, but you put them in tough situations for adversity. And, I, and I'm and i wondering, because there's some decisions that I wonder, and I'm like, why? For what reason are you doing that? You know what it is? No, I, I don't, Evan, no, you don't do that. Okay. You, you, don't, you don't put your kids in that type of situation. Now, if you're up big, then maybe the second and third stringers, yeah, I want to see how you handle this. But here's what we all fail to realize. Mel Tucker is really in year one. Yeah, He's exceeded everybody's expectations. It's the same thing we talk about with Dan Campbell and the Lions. He's still new. He's still learning his players. The staff is still learning the players. The players are still learning Mel Tucker. 
yesterday, I mean, well, Saturday was one of those awkward moments on that date where, oh, you know, oh, you, you wanted to go here? I, I thought we wanted to go here. Oh, 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 okay, well, you know, if you really want to go here, I mean, I could go here. And, you know, hey, what movie you want to see? And then that you're going back and forth when really you know what movie you want to see, but you don't want to seem like a jerk. And I, I can be flexible. They're still learning each other. And I think we forget about that. Absolutely. I mean, he he's coaching right now like he's been with this program for 10 years and has established it and made all of these things come true. And I wonder... Rico, if we were to be in a Marvel movie, right, and we had like a truth serum and we could give it to Jim Harbaugh and we could give it to Mel Tucker and we asked them, are you surprised your team is six and all right now? Do you think either one would say yes? Because the expectations for both teams was not this. No, because all coaches think that they got a winning team. Like I said, truth serum. Truth though. serum. Because I'm yeah, sure truth in the serum, back of their mind. No, no. Like, you know what? The, the question you would have to say, have you exceeded your expectations yeah. for the first six games? And then they would answer truthfully. But every coach believes they can win every game, unless you're the coach of the Washington Generals going against the Globetrotters, and then you know you have no shot. Right, absolutely. But, but I've just wondered that. Like, if they sit back and reflect on what's going on right now, like – Wow, I didn't see this coming. Now, how do I maintain it? And I think, I think with Mel Tucker, it's like okay. So Xavier Henderson had a great quote yesterday when talking about Kenneth Walker, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines: When he first got here, I looked at myself and I said, "Is this kid that good, or is our defense that bad?" Okay, and funny and thing, Evan, the I said the same thing this summer. Yeah, I, I when I saw him, it was like, man. Either that kid is really good or, man, this defense cannot contain him. Well, because at the beginning of the year, I mean, you know it as good as anybody knows it, covering college sports for as long as you have. There's always hype machines going into it. So it's like, what what do I believe? What should I believe? What is truthful and what is just the spin machine? And all we heard was how good Kenneth Walker was and is and is going to be. And I think he even, he went way past expectations, right? Yeah, the last time I seen somebody that I saw and was like, I, I think this kid's going to be good, was Le'Veon at Michigan State. Because I remember when they used to do the draft for the green and white game, he was the first player taken overall as a true freshman. He was taking over a lot of guys who had been there for a long time. I think over Edwin Baker and Larry Caper, they took him. I'm like, this kid is that special. And watching drills. Every, I mean, everybody else would run the drill, pick up two yards, pick up three yards, pick up two yards, pick up three yards. Kenneth Walker picks up 15 to 20 yards. It's crazy. And it's like, okay, did they just not want to tackle him? Are they trying to make him feel good? Or did they, he just really juke these players? Because the defense knows the plays. They still couldn't tackle him. But they could tackle everybody else. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he struck goal with him. And then, you know, I think I heard that look, at least Tucker's smart enough to know, going back to your other question, you know, he's like, look, we're not afraid to address the elephant in the room. Yeah, we all see that we're undefeated, and I'm not going to – I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, I'm not going to act like this ain't happening. But my goal is to keep this team focused. Right. But I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, well, we're not 6-0. Yeah, we are 6-0. But the beauty but, of that team, too, is they've seen failure. 
So they know what it's like to not want to go back to that situation. And I'm not saying you lose two or three games this year. It's a great success for you. But expectations have now changed. I expect them to beat Indiana. I expect them to beat Michigan. I expect them to beat Penn State. The one game in my question is Ohio State. Because yeah, I don't Rico, know if they got the juices because I think Ohio State's got everything back together again. Well, so that, okay, so, that's one. So what Michigan State does very well on the defensive side, yes, they give up a ton of yards. And, yes, this is a cliche to say bend but don't break. But they held a lot of teams to field goals this year where I mm-hmm. thought that it was easily going to be a touchdown. Can they do it against those three big teams? Can they limit to a field? You know what? Well, if Penn State's going to be minus Sean Clifford, then yes. That's what I'm basing Penn it Penn State's off very of. vulnerable. I think they could do it against Michigan. Ohio State, as of now, no, I don't think that they can because I think Ohio State can run chunk plays for touchdowns the same way that Michigan State does. But even better. They can run with Travion Henderson the way Michigan State can run with Kenneth Walker. Mm-hmm. The quarterbacks can put up a bunch of stuff. It's just that Michigan State bend but don't break defense. I think Ohio State can break it. That's yeah, the problem. I mean, because Ohio Lave State has, has tons of speed. Garrett Wilson right. is. I mean, those are both first-round wide receivers in the same team. Right. Right. And now – I mean, it's it's what happens with Michigan State. Like, Indiana's going to have to pick their poison. Rutgers had to pick their poison. Who do you stop? Walker, Reed, Naylor, put pressure on Thorne. How do you slow this team down? Yep. You pick wrong, and Jalen Naylor's setting records. You pick wrong, and Kenneth Walker scores on the first play of the game. You pick wrong, and Peyton Thorne throws for four touchdowns. So you got to try and take something away. Nebraska did a good job taking away Walker. He's not going to beat us. You're going to have to throw the ball to beat us, and Michigan State couldn't. Now, they got fortunate on that punt return and the turnovers. That helped out MSU because other than that, they didn't have an answer for what Nebraska could do. Nope. I think Nebraska's defense is better than the Buckeyes, but I think the Buckeyes are getting things prepared. In order to beat Ohio State, Michigan State would have to play an A-plus game, and you would need the Buckeyes to play a B-minus game or worse to beat them right now because they are clicking. They got it all going on right now, and I don't know. And the game's going to be in Columbus. The only thing that would help out MSU, it could possibly be a trap game like it was in 2015. You got Michigan the next week. Mm -hmm. Are you dialed in and focused on Michigan State, or are you already looking forward to playing Michigan in the next week? Now, the thing is, you know, some people are saying down in Columbus – they're starting to worry a little bit more about state than Michigan feeling. Yeah, we beat Michigan all the time, but Michigan state has ruined our seasons, you know, and, and it hasn't been that long ago, but yeah, looking at this, especially with no Clifford now, you know, does he come back because they play Penn state at the end of the year? No Clifford could help Michigan because with the backup that Penn state has, you know, Michigan is going to play them in, I think three weeks or so. No, uh, they got this one, two, four weeks. Michigan will play them in a month. We'll see if Clifford will be back because if they have no Clifford, then that's a game that Michigan could go into Happy Valley and take. You knock off Penn State, man, that's a big feather in your cap. You know, who cares if Clifford played or not? But the Ohio State, to me, I think if Ohio State played Iowa right now in the Big Ten Championship game, I would put my money on the Buckeyes. So would I. I mean, and, and I understand that they had a loss early on this year. 
But I mean, <laughs> there's here's no the thing about Iowa to doubt Ryan Day. Iowa has like 20 or 16 turnovers right now, interceptions. Iowa's offense is good when the defense gives them short fields. Yep. I don't know if Iowa's offense can drive 85 yards and score if you had to. They need the defense to say, here, how about we give you the ball on the 38? Can you just at least kick a field goal? Okay, good enough. Or, you know what, screw it. We'll just take this and score ourselves. But how when, about that? When Iowa has been successful, that's how they've done it. They muck it up on defense, and then they try to manage on offense. And, yeah. I mean, it's been a – listen, when you play on the West to the Big Ten – you can really win the West by having a dominating defense and just I mean, you know what they are? They're Michigan State of old. Have a great defense and just score enough to win, right? If it's fourteen, yeah. seventeen, or twenty one, most times that's gonna be more than enough to get you a win. Uh, so it's interesting, yeah. but how fun has this season been so far? Uh, man, this season has been fun. You know why? If, especially if, if you're a state fan, it wasn't expected. You were picked dead last in the Big Ten East. You were only picked by Vegas to win four games. And you're already at six. You're already bowl eligible. You're playing with house money right now. They're going out there, and they're fun to watch because of those big plays, because of those big explosive plays. Yep. That's That's the excitement right there, man. That's like, yeah, I love this. Let's keep this thing going. It is fun to watch and, and see, you know, you, Kenneth Walker being talked about for Heisman and number one in this and number one in that and seeing the swag with Mel Tucker and coming out with hoodies that we all want but nobody can get. And that's fun. It's very fun. It, it, it really is. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Heisman talk, right? Because I know a lot of Michigan State fans were upset week one when Robinson from Texas managed hey, to win, shopping. like, what, the Walter Camp Player of the Week award. Like, nothing that right. even matters, right? And right. and it's nice. It hasn't been, what, since Javon Ringer that Michigan State actually made a push from a player? And yeah. I remember getting the Ringer for Heisman bumper sticker, and I think Doug Karsh told me today that they sent him, like, a mouse pad of Javon Ringer, right? And... It's nice to see the push, and I think I don't know Kenneth Walker. I've only heard him talk in post games and you know media sessions, but it seems like he's humble enough to accept it, but also to understand his job is not even close to being finished. Am I correct with that, or is he kind of like? Is there any chance it gets to their head, the winning? No, I mean, he said it was a goal for him at the beginning of the year that he wanted to win the Heisman. And uh, for him to get to – he would have to have big games. Like, in this Indiana game, this is a pad-to-stat game to me. So I said he needed to have 200 in this game, and he better have at least 100 in Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State. He needs – it depends on the amount of touchdowns that he scores. Sure. But – if he goes for a buck fifty and a touchdown, okay. If he goes for a hundred and two or three touchdowns, okay. If he pops a big run, because I think that run where he ends up shaking hands with Naylor, that's his Heisman moment. Oh, absolutely, because he was dead to rights at the thirty. 
I don't know if you saw the guy on Twitter that breaks down those plays. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, we start here with a guy. He was just born slow. Yeah, you know, he he can't help it. <laughs> and then here, you know, here's a guy right here. You know what? Just forgets about all his techniques and just stand there and just falls. He now we grabbing at ankles. Okay, yeah, yeah, that guy's hilarious. He's so good. He's made a very good niche. He's like that uh, Annie Angar that did all those college videos. Like, yeah, very smart, I, smart people. I follow him. Yeah, here we go. It's the, yeah, this guy, you know, he can't help. He was just born unathletic, you know, so, yeah. He, now <laughs> you so out funny. here. Okay. But, but you're there right. You go. I don't think I've ever seen it in my life where players shake hands. No. And he was like they waving, but I couldn't believe he wasn't called. Well, for taunting, and that's by the, the way. thing that I guess Tucker was like, we got to look into that because they've already been hit with a bunch of t- taunting and celebration penalties. It was fun. State fans liked it, but imagine you're about to score back. the game-winning touchdown against Ohio State, and it gets called back. 15 yards from the 15-yard line, so now it's first and goal from the 30 instead of a touchdown. Wow, and you know what? It finally made sense to me. The question that I asked you at the start of this podcast about that penalty uh-huh. at fourth down, you're right, because when Jalen Reed scored a touchdown or Jaden Reed scored a touchdown and then shook a, fan, a fan's hand, that touchdown wasn't taken off. The, it was just on no. the kick. So now it makes sense. Okay, so now. Right. Thank but you. if they threw the flag on that one, it takes place at the 15-yard line, no touchdown, yep. first and goal from the 30. Wow. Now. You're in a close game. You just ran a trick play with seven seconds to go to beat Ohio State, and now you didn't beat Ohio State. You're still down by six, and now you got five seconds put on the clock. Good luck. You got to throw a Hail Mary from the 30 when you have somebody just walking in. So that's something that Tucker said that he would he would definitely look at. So uh, what you got for me, Ev? All right, so – Two weeks from now, we're being premature. Tell me the time of the Michigan-Michigan State game. The reason that I ask it is because Penn State and Ohio State also play on October 30th. Yeah. They're both going to be top 10 matchups, right? I I, I don't know who's got the first pick because they alternate weeks between Fox and ESPN. Okay, so what time would you want the game to be at? I I I would want the game to be at night. Yes. Or because it's October 30th, I would even take 3.30 or 4 o'clock. But here's the other – because then the game finishes at night. Yes. yes. It, it dep- if Fox has the first pick, it's whoever Fox wants. Here's something that nobody's taking into account. World Series game that night is on Fox at 8. Fox okay. doesn't want anything to go up against that. So if the game goes into quadruple overtime, now the World Series is running behind. Right. So if Fox gets the game, it's going to be at noon so that it doesn't interfere. I guess worst case, maybe they could put it on at 3.30 thinking that this thing will be over before the 8 o'clock or 8.07 first pitch well, of the World Series. And what I was trying to say, too, is, yes, Michigan-Michigan State is a huge game here. But out of market, I feel the Ohio State-Penn State game is bigger for viewers. So it, it, it really just depends on who gets the first pick that day. I hope it's 332 because, I mean, when that game starts with the sun out and ends with the lights on, I always think is the coolest thing. 
I just, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that it, I, I like the night game. So, I mean, so do I. And you know, well, they can't handle it. It worked out great when they played it okay. at Michigan Stadium. Yeah, the whole they can't handle it. it. Nobody died. It was a great game. You lost, but yeah, people act like it's going to be raping and pillaging all throughout oh, the know. land. You're going to see Vikings coming down the street. Nope. You yeah. know what that is? That's just loser fan mentality. Uh, I don't want to play this game for fear of you guys, you hooligans. Well, then stay your ass at home. You know what? I'll tell you, too. If it comes down to it on the last game of the year where Michigan is undefeated, Ohio State just has that one loss against Oregon, and it all comes down to that for the Big Ten, that game Uh needs to be played at night. That viewership for that game would be insane. You're going to have Georgia, Florida. It's not the game. Possibly. It's not the game. No, no, no. I'm just looking at other big games. No, for that sure. But on. I'm saying if if that's the case, they're probably two and three in the nation. Uh, for Michigan, Michigan State, I mean, look at how many times Michigan State played Ohio State at night. They were great games. Oh, yeah. They but that's my point. Epic games. Imagine and, that game. Oh, you know who? Only, only Michigan fans whine about, oh, my safety and what about this and oh my god this is gonna happen no other fan base bitches like they can i've never gone to a game scared for my safety ever no but it's night it's you know because that's not what bo would have wanted well bo only wanted things at noon sure. who gives a flying f I, I i don't i agree because i think if that game was played at night you have college game day there it would be the highest. You know what? I don't want game day there. College. I don't want game day there. You know what? You could bring the Fox yeah. people. I don't want game day there because honestly, a bunch of homers. Uh, I don't want Desmond in the stadium. I would throw. <laughs> I would. I would personally stand outside the stadium with green bricks to throw at him. <laughs> throw these bricks at him. Here are a bag of rocks. Take one. Take as many as you want. Hit the man at the end of the panel. Throw rocks at him. I I know it will never happen. I'm just saying, as a fan of football, you know Herb Street. I I can't give you a I can't give a a score for this game because I'm going to be calling it Kirk Herb Street. No one cares. You're not that big of a deal. He doesn't have a a say in the outcome of the game. That's why it doesn't matter. You're not refing the game. Well, I can't. I have to abstain. Why? Why? Okay. Well, you don't have to abstain. You're just a coward. Yeah, you're, all you do is talk about the game, dude. You have zero. And listen, if people think you're biased one way or the other, then, then so they're going to think that not, anyway. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not going right. to change. Because you I can, can come out here. Think about it. I can do this podcast and tell you how great Michigan is. And people will still say, he doesn't believe it. He's just setting us up. No, He's I mean, party. well, that's a prime example. I thought Michigan was going to roll Nebraska. You ended up being correct. So I, I do owe you that and saying that you were spot on. But yeah, people are like, you're just saying that to jinx. No, dude, I don't believe that I could ever uh, right. change the outcome I got of a no football say game. So. But- I don't wear a striped uniform out there on the field. Now, yeah, the referee probably can't give his opinion. Yeah, I don't want to hear him before the game tell me who's going to win. That's who I right. don't want to hear from. But somebody on TV, like if Chris Fowler can call or tell me who he wants to pick, he's more important to that broadcast than Herb Street is. Right. But anyway, I can't wait, man. But that's how great college football is this year. We can debate uh, everything involved with it. It's we can. Awesome. Oh, shoot. I forgot. We had a question. Let me see if I can. Pull it up in time to answer it real quickly. We did get a question 
on the show. Was it Evan? Is Evan as good looking as he sounds? That might not be it. Uh, Evan is drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> His wife is one of the most luckiest people in the world. Yeah, and my I mom sent that in. That I, came from I Lori Jean forty five on Twitter. No, it was Jake Hawkins. <laughs> Uh, do you think that Michigan State's offense and defensive lines are getting better over the course of the season? I ask because a buddy of mine thinks that both of those positions are a weakness and I and it will cost them games against Michigan, uh, Michigan Ohio State, and Penn State. I actually I, I think that the defensive line is actually getting better. I agree. With the rotation. I mean, they're, they're doing a lot of things. They're shutting teams down, and that's without Drew Beasley. So, no, I'm going to say with the defensive line, the defensive line is getting better. Offensive line <clears> – <throat> They're also getting better as well. I think Michigan State is second in the Big Ten in sacks allowed. So there's a reason why Peyton Thorne can sit back there and throw those deep passes. He ain't running for his life. So, no, I do think that the two, the, the two lines are improving, Jake. I would, I, would, I would go with they are. All I agree on the defense. I think that that line has played very well because they don't necessarily blitz too much, but they do – force a lot of pressure the offensive line I think is being made look better based on the play from Peyton Thorne and Kenneth Walker I still want to see it where Kenneth makes plays happen but I want to see plays happen where Kenneth makes that play happen 10 yards down the down the field and not in the backfield you know what I mean so it, well, yeah, it's they, getting better but you know what I think for Kenneth Walker it's kind of like the old lineman and uh, you know you when O line for the Lions used to block for Barry, they're just like, man, you just, you just didn't know, you didn't know, you just had to do your job because you didn't know if Barry was going to be behind you or not. Right, and so I don't know, you know, if sometimes where Walker sees something differently than what the play is designed for him to do. So I mean, it, look at the, in, in the in the Rutgers game when he took the screen pass and cut it across the field. Right, and what I was going to say is, listen, if if there's still room for improvement and they can make that improvement, that's a good sign. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Where they haven't plateaued, where you're like, no, this is as good as they're going to be. It, it's promising for the Spartans. All right. Well, uh, you gave me your question, right? Yeah. And now and I'm, yep, right. I'm just ready for this week with Indiana, get next week out of the way, and let's go to October 30th. So if you got as a time Mike machine, say, hop in it. As Mike would say, we're on in Indiana. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to the Five Star Zone. If you got any questions, Feel free to send us a text at Rico Beard. And make sure you subscribe and tell your friends. We'll be back uh, for an instant reaction of Michigan State and Indiana on Saturday. Thanks for listening.